sir, we promised you a great ball. Oh, yeah. yeah. Andre, the giant further ado um we're gonna start off we don't normally do this but sometimes when the interview is big enough we just start the episode the way we should the man the honcho and not only the man and honcho at AEW, but the man who will challenge for the AEW championship at full gear coming up in just a couple of weeks away finally back on cheap heat cody rhodes cody how are you man I'm doing great, man. Long time no speak, man. I'm glad. I'm glad we got the chance to chat. Dude, me too. Uh, you have no idea. Um, I reached out to you actually. I just want to say right now in front of everyone, you are terrible on your Twitter DMs because I definitely tried oh. to get at you around the time the, um, when the big article came out about your journey. What was it in the ringer? Yeah, uh, it was the ringer piece. Yes, yes. Around that time, I was so moved by that story. And, you know, to be honest, at that, at that particular time, I was working with WWE. I was, I was very into that world. And as a result, you know, sort of, I was sort of missing out on what your indie story was playing out like. And, and then as a result of reading the Ringer story, man, I was just so moved. And I, it just makes me so damn happy. Um, for where you are now. So I just want to say first off, congratulations on the last few years. It's been a pretty special thing to watch. But but supplementary to all that, I have to improve my Twitter, my Twitter DM game. Uh, I think is is an underlying message. I've been told uh, Kevin Owens told me that I have the absolute worst phone etiquette, and uh, that was a bummer because I get real. I don't know, man. I, I maybe I just I I yearn for a time when when we didn't even have these things, but now they're so important. I I will work on it for you, 
And for Kevin, I will work on it. I will get better. I mean, listen, it's very rare. This is special that you have me and Kevin Owens on the same side of an issue is, uh, is fantastic. <laughs> that, sh- that shows what a uniter you are. Um, uh, listen, I have yes. a, I have a lot I want to talk to you about. Um, super, this has been a really fun month of professional wrestling and you are so, uh, at the center of it. First of all, what grade would you give? You know, we are really f- four or five weeks into the real start of this television AEW product. How would you grade how things have gone so far? Oh, I would give it an A. I would give it an A. And uh, I'd say four of the five shows, I would give an A+. Plus. Um, I'd I only say that because the execution is the main thing. Like we, we have to, we have to execute and we have this long form plan and we had been planning this for quite some time and it's a lot more traditional booking versus writing. Uh, and with traditional booking, you're going backwards from these major events. So I, I have to stop being a fan on a pretty regular basis when we, when it comes to, dynamite itself when it comes to tv i'm honored by everything that happens i'm honored that i have a chair for myself in the go position that i have my own headset at i'm honored that i have my own office all these like little little things i have to stop caring about and just say okay cool that's great now now let's validate why these things exist and i'm flanked by uh, Matt and Nick and Kenny Omega and Tony Khan and man, if there's ever someone who's if you ever feel like you're not pulling your weight, someone pulls it for you. And that flow is really essential because we have to wrestle as well. We're we're wrestlers. And in this case, I found myself in the title picture of the first pay-per-view of Dynamite Era. So it's great to it's great to do it as a team. I'm I'm so happy with the team. I I really I, I could go on and on. I mean, there's so much backup house stuff that Brandy Rhodes put together, such a crack medical staff, and now all these independent wrestlers have medical treatment and and physiotherapists and blood work and I don't know why I'm sounding so excited about all this stuff, but <laughs> that's it's awesome. Just, it's, it's just because I never thought when I left WWE, except when All In happened, I never thought All In was like this treat, like, okay, it was one night. We had all the all the little perks of a major company. And then when you have this investor and this founder and Tony Khan who provides you the biggest possible canvas and you know you have talented guys and talented kids like Private Party and Darby Allen. It's just a it's really a dream at the moment this this entire this entire first bit of dynamite. Well, it's interesting though that you say one thing you kind of have to stop doing is spending all your time feeling honored because that obviously comes from such a good place, you know, trying to appreciate what is a special moment, but then yeah, at a certain point you go, all right, I can't keep looking at this from the outside as beautiful as that is. I got to go kick ass now and do an amazing show. Um, how much did your dad and you talk about what it's like to be um, an in-ring performer and 
be a booker, have the pencil, however you want to describe it. Um, something that your dad did several times, including, of course, you know, booking when he wasn't on television as well. But did you guys talk about what that was like over the years? Yeah, we, we talked about it, but we didn't talk about it like in the way of his son prepare for this. If this ever comes up, this is what you should do. We talked about it from a fantasy standpoint of just I would ride in the truck with my dad and he would, you know, book a show or he'd say, who's your war games team? And hey, do a do a television tournament like he. He, we would just have these conversations because he knew I was a big fan of my generation of the industry and his generation preceded that generation. So he knew he, he I think he used me as kind of a litmus test on talent um, to see how I felt and to see what I liked and what I didn't. But now I kind of look at all that experience with him growing up with him and him having been so, so involved in my my life. I look at it as like an education. It's I went to grammar school and and middle school and high school and I almost feel like I did go to college, but it was a completely different college that I didn't know I was in. It was the 30 something, you know, 30 years I got to talk to Dusty Rhodes every day about wrestling and the nuances of it and why things work, why they don't work. So that's why I, in a braggart, braggadocious sense, feel like I am so glad I got this job because I have the best education on earth for this job. Not just what Dusty gave me, but what I got at WWE. I was around one of the greatest productions ever. Never missed a live event. Never missed a day for 10 years straight. Uh, there's some unbelievably talented people back of house on screen at WWE, some unbelievable agents who helped educate me. Uh, I, I'm glad some of them are part of all elite wrestling now. Dean frickin Malenko, for example. Um, that, that's the key to all this is we got to pass that knowledge on and you don't think you're old enough to pass it on until all of a sudden you're talking to somebody, you know, like a Darby Allen. Um, and you do have this information and that's when you know you got to pass it on. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Darby, who to me so far, um, going all the way back to his first appearance on um, pay-per-view television with you guys, I think has been, you know, I know for you in your position, you don't want to say one person because so many people have been great. From the outside looking in, I think Darby has been the breakout star, the person who people who if they had never heard of him are going, oh, my God. I have to see this person again. Um, do, do people like that just get your juices flowing when you start thinking about what the possibilities are, not just to bring in, you know, yeah, listen, it's amazing having you and your brother and Jericho and even Kenny Omega to an extent, though he was never WWE, he was a proven star. But there's a different thing about once you guys are able to make stars. That has to be an exciting thought for you. I think one of the, biggest that's it's like i don't have children so i don't know what the experience would really be but i know matt and nick that's really their wheelhouse is taking someone like hangman adam page and this is you know in the last several years with being the elite and their ability to get people to care about him and just bring out the humanity in him that does connect the dots on the map 
that make people want to, you know, buy tickets to see him or just support him. That's something that I have in common with those guys. Me, Matt, Nick, Kenny have a vastly different opinion on wrestling, but we all have in common the, the fan service and the ability we want to do what you just said. So there is, there hasn't been a greater feeling. Uh, I guess in the business it's called making somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never want to like be the one to say, Hey, I made him or she made her. But when someone wiser tells you, and you know me, um, I get the Rolodex of all of Dusty's entire life. So every week, some of the wisest and, and greatest minds in wrestling, including Jim Ross, they give me their notes and man, that's a great, great feeling when you, when you have people in week five that are getting chanted for. They were chanting, this is awesome last week for Ikuru Shida and, and, and Shauna. And she's like, that's, o- that's only after a month outing, really. It's, it's special, but we can't take it for granted either. We have to keep whatever the formula is. Uh, and keep that magic going to keep fans happy. Now, I happen to think you guys caught a major break. Um, you know, as, as we were leading up to this whole thing, it's been a very interesting ride for me to watch because sort of my, my working relationship with WWE dissipated as you guys were coming about. So I'm trying to be mindful to both be, um, open-minded and also not seem biased one way or the other at first to seem biased in favor of wwe and now that i'm not working there to not seem biased against wwe and just and just sort of and i'm something i'm sure you can identify with on some level i'm just trying to watch this whole thing as a wrestling fan um and i think we're in a place now where with wwe we did not know what we would get with smackdown and on this show and from the feedback I'm getting from the Cheap Heat universe and the people who listen here at ESPN, the reviews for SmackDown have been more than mixed, to say the least. Um, it has been a really like a big two-hour commercial to some extent. And in my opinion, that plays into the hands of AEW so well because now yeah. SmackDown has become the number one show. Clearly, they have shown everyone this is the number one show and it is not a pure wrestling show. Do you see, do you also see that as a big advantage for a, a building AEW? Well, I just see the way that Kevin Dunn shoots WWE is, and not so much the booking of it, but how he shoots it. I see it, of course, as a big, it's, it's kind of setting the ball up for us. We wanted to be an alternative. Now, of course, when your counter programs on your night, then you are, you are competing. You're no longer just an alternative, but we still say we want to be an alternative because what we're doing is completely different. Here's the only thing you will recognize the ring in the center of the building that, okay, that's a wrestling ring. Everything else we're we're doing is, is a very, very different wrestling. Um, And that's why sometimes it's fun to kind of poke fun at it and not in a mean, mean spirited way, but all of these rules that have been in place for 20 years, they're not wrestling rules. They're WWE rules. Oh, it's a contract signing. There has to be a fight. Oh, the person can't just look at the monitor. They have to stand to the side uh, because that's how Kevin likes to shoot it. It's some nonsense. And it's it and it's it worked for them until it stopped working for them. And we're just happy to to do wrestling how we want to do it. The good thing about the our partners at Warner Media and the TNT family, 
They weren't there during the Attitude Era or the Monday Night Wars. There was nobody on staff except for maybe one guy. And that is great. It's all all young, open-minded, congruent with what an actual snapshot of America and the world looks like today. Um, It's it's a it's like a utopia at the moment in terms of just synergy we get from our partners at Warner Media and and how they allow us to lead this. Um, We're not under the gun. We're not under uh, we're the biggest pressure we're under is our own pressure to deliver because we had such a unbelievable debut, the biggest debut in five years for a Warner Media, you know, institution and to do so well against, you know, we were opposed and to do so well against uh, WWE and still be doing well. That, that the pressure we're putting on ourselves is is ample already. So I don't even know what the question was when you started, but that's where I went. <laughs> no, no, it ended up it ended up getting covered. Um, okay. Yeah, just about how SmackDown looks and and NXT. You know, listen, I, I really think that uh, Triple H does a fantastic job uh, with NXT. Did you see? Did you think it was interesting wh- that Finn Balor moves to NXT? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're aware. I'm imagining you are. Um, turns heel has a really big moment. To me, that's also a sign that obviously they want to have really marquee players playing on Wednesday nights to try to compete with uh, with you guys. No. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I was expecting the I was expecting the Undertaker to be che- teaming <laughs> with Johnny Gargano on on night one and and all that good stuff. But we. I'm more mindful of it post post Wednesdays. Hey, well, what did, what did, uh, you know, I got a lot of friends in that locker room. My dad's boots are sitting in the performance center. So I'm more mindful of it post Wednesdays, but we go into it more with the idea of like, what are we doing? Uh, and then you've got everyone else in your ear. So I'm aware. And I actually got to see, uh, the Pele kick he did. And the, I guess the, the turn, um, as it's been dubbed, I think that's, that's Hunter is not a stupid guy. Um, it's it is public knowledge that we're five weeks in and five weeks in a row. AEW has beat WWE in the ratings, so that I'm I'm sure those those type things will continue to happen, and that only brings out the best in us because I think we're just untapped. I think we have all kinds of new homegrown people that are going to be coming up through the ranks people you know like nyla rose people like riho um and i think they can compete with with any wrestling roster our tag division that matt and nick have cultivated so i would just expect more of that i mean that's that's what this is we're living in this period of two shows competing against each other for the wrestling viewer and the casual fan as it's been dubbed so we'll see a lot of that um I, I did think leading up to, I'll, I'll tell you the, uh, the truth. I, I really, en- I've enjoyed all the pay-per-views. I really enjoyed Fight for the Fall and I thought it looked cool and unique. Um, I thought it was sort of the sleeper of the bunch. Um, but my complaints were always the same after them when I would come on and review is that I did think it was a lot of spot fest sort of wrestling. Um, and st- amazing. I mean, wrestling that you are frankly not going to see on WWE television. Um, However, that can be sometimes for good and for bad, right? Like there were moments when I thought I'm not getting enough story. I'm getting too much wrestling because I'm someone who's someone who's really driven by story. Um, 
what did you think about things early on? Do you think that's an off-base assessment? Did you at any point think the same thing? We have to get this to be a little bit more episodic. How did you view the early days of you guys being on pay-per-view and, and then television? So in the like early, you know, kind of a gestation period or whatever, and especially because we started with these the big events, the pay-per-view events, and then we worked into an episodic television show. I never got too heavy handed in my, in what I like. And what I like is old school Southern wrestling. I like character profiles. I like variety pieces. I never got heavy handed with that because you know, Kenny has a, uh, his outlook on the women's division and Matt and Nick have their outlook on the tag division. Tony oversees it all. And the, I, I know this is going to sound almost cheesy and, and forgive me, but I just, I just got off the phone with one of our talents and said this exact same thing above all of that, you know, your opinion, my opinion, uh, the grid we have in front of us, I think AEW needs to be fun. It needs to be a party. And if, unbelievable high spot fast-paced lucha bro style insanity gets the crowd up on their feet i would rather have the crowd standing on their feet than have uh, uh, us pushing a narrative that we're hoping they link into versus hey they did they did like that in the moment so i am i have a very open mind um because I think that's the buffet. I think Matt and Nick and Kenny and Tony have everyone has these different outlooks. And Eric Bischoff was the person who told me about the wrestling buffet, and it's never not left my mind because that's. I just want to make sure we check every box, and that includes boxes for fans. My favorite opinion of a fan is a fan who's never been to a wrestling show before. What did you like? And it's always these like quirky things. Um, oh man, you really liked Orange Cassidy? Okay, cool. You know, like. It's it's different. So above all, I don't I don't uh, in the early stages, we were just trying to have a lot of fun and we continue trying to have a lot of fun. I mean, could you imagine if you had asked me two years ago, would this even be happening? I'd, I'd say no. So I'm I'm happy, you know, and having a good time and, and remembering to be a fan, even though in the beginning of the interview, I said I can't be a fan anymore. You know, you're never not a fan. No, no, absolutely. And I, and by the way, Orange Cassidy, great that you mentioned that because that he's so gripping immediately. It's, it's instantly something you haven't seen. Um, yeah. and I think for me, I mean, that's just what makes, you know, the, tr- I put up a, a, a poll on Twitter a couple weeks ago, um, cause I'm an effing nerd just saying, what show are you most looking forward to this week? And, you know, the reason I asked the question is because it was the moment that I realized in my mind for the first time that your show was the show I was most looking forward to. And I thought that was interesting. Um, and this, you know, I, that, that, to, for that to happen to me is crazy. And I, I think it speaks volumes of where you guys are. I also think it speaks volumes to, um, the way that WWE has now diminished Raw by making SmackDown the the all everything, um, because it's it's a for twenty for twenty five years Raw was the number one thing you looked forward to, um, and I don't think that or not maybe not twenty five years there are people who look forward to, to Nitro, but certainly TNA I don't think was ever in that conversation for wrestling fans. Um, now one thing that's really jumped off the screen, much like Orange Cassidy, the. Your original uh, promo from, I guess, the first time it aired was two weeks ago. The the montage, the building. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was – 
between that and then I got to tell you, man, Wednesday, I popped so big for you and Shivani in the limo. I mean, it was – I mean, obviously, you just kind of gave it away when you said what you're into, that those are specifically the kinds of things you're into. That felt – that was real. That was a real conversation between you and a dude who covered your dad and who you've known for a long time. It was so authentic. It is so uncommon for us over the last decade to get that. Um, is there anyone in particular that is responsible for it getting that look and feel? Ooh, I mean, well, there's a lot of people uh, responsible for it. I know for me, I'm, I used to think I was unlucky in this, but I feel like I'm very lucky in it now that I don't, it is very difficult for me to play a character because my life is very much stranger than fiction. My childhood, my upbringing, my career and my training. That's why the unscripted conversational my dad used to call it communication he refused to call his promo class promo class he'd call it communication class and i know what he meant he want communicating means the person watching actually is is plugging into something or they're identifying with something and that's why you can't have these scripted promos and that doesn't mean i'm i'm anti-writers or anything of that nature Really what it means is if you're if you're doing a promo or an interview on our show, it's because we trust that you already know how to communicate, that we trust that you, you know how to play your music. We're just going to crank the mic up. You know, John Moxley, great example of it this week. Um, and in the case with me and Shivani, that's a real conversation. Nothing is better in wrestling than it's real. And my current crazy run at the moment is just real. Uh, everything is is authentic and I, I I I don't know how it makes me incredibly vulnerable because I can't say oh well that was just me on TV that's me right now too but you you but still have conversations thing. though about that when, I think when people came out and thought no writers there was some level of concern of like is this just a complete free for all yeah. do you have conversations about like hey let's let's talk about what this character's mindset is and what we're thinking about and where we're oh. eventually going so for me, I had the, a great coach who had nothing to do with wrestling in Howard Fine, who's an acting coach in, in Los Angeles. And the most old school of wrestlers, that's the thing. Everyone looks at AEW with such new school lenses, but the most popular guys on AEW are the most old school. People don't realize the Bucks, even though they do all these high spots, are some of the most old school wrestlers I've ever met because there is a 100% constant 24 7 commitment to the job and that is really what makes up like an old school wrestler so i had howard who gave me all these you know pieces of not indicating actually being there um in the moment and that's easy because of so much of this connects to my to my real life but another really great thing we have is uh comeback studios in atlanta georgia that's a group that uh, DDP loaned me to help me with my Road 2 series. I wanted to create a series um, that you know was sports-centric and more of the serious side of AEW because we already have a lot of the silly side. And those guys are now fully integrated as part of All Elite Wrestling, and they're the ones who did 
um, the montage piece. Um, and they, they, they use my real trainer. They use my real gym. Um, they, they're, they're very good and they don't, they're not looking at it from how WWE produces wrestling. They look at it just at how to produce, you know, their quality cameramen and quality directors and producers. And they've, they, they've created a great team. Kevin Sullivan as well. Keith Mitchell, um, who produces wrestling so different than the wrestling we've seen the last 20 years. Uh, they're big, big parts of all this. Um, all right. I want to, I want to rapid fire a few things at you before we, well, as rapid fire as we can before I let you go. I know you have a lot to do. Um, sure. first of all, listen, listeners to my podcast know I generally speaking think Chris Jericho is a jackass. Um, he has been so damn good. I, I want to hate on what he's doing so bad. I was just ready to be like, you know what? He's finished. He's over the hill. This isn't the choice for AEW. I, <laughs> I think the work he's been doing over the last month has been a new version of him being an a-hole on television that we have never seen before um, and better than anything we've seen over the last couple of years. Am I crazy or does it seem like he – and I'm not taking away from his all-time greatness just because I generally find him annoying. He is an all-time great, no doubt about it. But I do think he has recently stepped into it. He stepped it up a whole other level to me recently. Uh, do you agree with that? I would say that initially with Chris Jericho and the amount of money that he's been paid by AEW and having the largest contract on the roster. But in the very beginning, there were three people who said, I want to be the quarterback. Three people. And it's funny that Tony's from the NFL. And Kenny Omega was one. I was one. And Chris Jericho was one. That sounds like it's a recipe for disaster, perhaps in in other worlds, but in the wrestling world, it's a recipe for success. Uh, he's competing with the greatness of his own self. He's trying to show an entire locker room, some of who are who are only from the indie generation, who aren't WWE fans, so they're not popping for him every time he walks by. He's he is trying to show, and he's being successful in showing that. There's a reason he's he's who he is. There's a reason he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's a reason um, he's the world champion. So you're not you're not wrong. Yeah, it's been incredibly entertaining. There's a, there's a certain a bit of his shtick that has just it's been awesome. And um, you know, listen, Kenny Omega is the greatest wrestler in history to not wrestle in WWE, in my opinion. Um, I, I first called a match of his, I guess, probably over a decade ago in a dingy gym in New Jersey and I had no idea. I thought he was good. Thought he had a good look. Thought he was a good wrestler. Uh, had no idea that I was looking at the level of talent. Um, that we were. Obviously, there was a lot of news last week. Seth Rollins saying that one day, uh, you know, if he wanted to leave the minor leagues and, and have a match at WrestleMania, I, I tend to disagree with Jim Ross, to be honest with you. And I love JR, texted with him last week and love his podcast. I didn't agree with his take that Seth Rollins was out of line. I frankly think it's tremendous that he's suggesting that one of the biggest stars in AEW should be having a match at WrestleMania. To me, that is more of a compliment than anything else. Um, first of all, I was curious on your thoughts on that. Um, and what your, where you think Kenny Omega generally lives in the wrestling landscape in 2019? Well, for the, the developmental comments, 
when they came from Kinney, and then when the minor league comments came from from Seth, I think that's just two really great athletes. I actually just trying to nip at you know in this in the case of Seth specifically, just trying to prod and poke and get under the skin of another. I I don't think they were as mean spirited as the the world made them out to be. Agreed. I think Seth. Is, yeah, I think Seth is super, super talented. Uh, I believe I had his very first dark match in in WWE. He's a he's a unique soul. He's super talented. He works his ass off for them. When a lot of people at that company just collect a check, uh, I kind of just sit back in those moments and don't take it personally because part of wrestling is us talking, you know, shit about each other. So. That I'd never take anything personally, and I'm surprised when we are such a woke culture that we take everything as uh, stop saying WWE, stop you know, or in their case, stop you know, who ca- like in, enjoy enjoy it. It's if you don't like this person, perfect. It's it's more fuel to the fire, and if you do love them, you shout their name from the rooftop. Like I I just look at it as wrestlers talking smack about other wrestlers, which is a key component of wrestling. wrestling Yes, exactly. And, and how great is Kenny Omega? Like world rankings for you over the last five to seven years, where do you put Kenny Omega? I've been, I've had two matches, singles with Kenny. And then I had in uh Rio Goku, I had the triple threat with him and Ibushi. Who I think Kenny is one of the top five wrestlers, pro wrestlers, one that the crowd buys tickets for, that communicates to them, and does it bell to bell. So pro, that's my definition of pro wrestling. I think he's one of the top five in the world, uh, probably top three. He And the thing I like about him is I think people are just beginning to see him uh, for the first time. I mean, he was in Japan, and New Japan was a thing that came on at four in the morning. If you did watch Wrestle Kingdom, and if you were a really hardcore wrestling fan, you would put the gifs up and claimed you watched it. I think now, I think now a lot of people are seeing seeing it. And him going into the match with John Moxley, one of the most motivated wrestlers on the planet, John. I think this is like kind of a jumping off point for what Kenny Omega looks like in AEW, and it it looks very good. He's Kenny's Kenny's a, Kenny's amazing, and he's trying to do something very different with the women's division and having introduced Riho to us. Um, that, that alone, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that because she's amazing. Um, all right. Last thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a tough question. One I'm sure you've been asked before, but I haven't asked it. And I've been thinking about it a lot recently. I've always been puzzled about the WWE's relationship with your dad. It, it, it's always been just a point of confusion for me as a fan. Um, in one sense, you have him as just the most beloved, maybe the most beloved former great ever in terms of uh the actual performers and the people in the company and how they felt about him and then at this and 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 that's propped up quite a bit they also use that they named tournaments after him he is a a fixture and then at the same time if you're as big a wrestling nerd as uh, you are or i am or many uh, everyone listening is you also know that there have been these moments when they have clearly at least it appears, dug at him from the polka dots to Virgil, all these things. How do you at this point view the way Vince McMahon and the WWE felt about your father? 
Oh, it's very simple. Uh, I could I could smash a thousand thrones and I could make a thousand pot shots and little fourth wall breaking comments about my experience because it is vastly different from Dusty's. But as his son, I know that in 2005, when he got his first royalty check for the Dusty Rhodes DVD, which they did a marvelous job on, my mother literally hit her knees in the kitchen and thanked God for them having kind of brought him back to financial security, them having given him a home in the winter of his life and a functional thing to chew on with NXT and to maybe help and guide a few young stars. So with that in mind and what they did for him in the end, I, I will never be ungrateful to them. Now, I have my own opinions about my career that are mine. And people think that 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 because of what they did for my dad, that oh, I, I should you know be voiceless on occasion. And that's just never going to be the case. But I will always say that I owe them a great I owe them a great debt. Um, and maybe I paid it personally uh, with the way things ended. Who knows? But I, I'll never, I'll never forget that both Hunter and Vince and Stephanie McMahon were very good uh, to my father when he needed it, and as his, as his son, that that's something that uh, if they ever ask me, you know, to repay that debt, I'll 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 go repay it because it was important. Now I know the narrative is the McMahons hate the roads, and maybe in there there's some truth to that, uh, but I I. You know, you got to really if you, if I have a few drinks, ask me the same question and the answer might might be completely different. But in this moment, in this moment, I still remain very grateful for what they did for my dad, what they did for me. Different story. What they did for him. Very grateful. Well, listen, uh, for what you are doing, we are very grateful um, for people who have been in the, into this and and spending a lot of uh, a lot of time in our lives focused on this business and enjoying it and publicizing it to to do something different that has an amazing story. This whole business is about stories and the fact that this entire company and what you've done is the backbone story here has been awesome and rejuvenating. So thank you for the time today and really thank you for what you've been doing. It's been a pleasure to watch. Thank you. We just got to keep it going. We got to keep it going. Make it a longer story. Yeah, don't f*** it up, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so far, so good. Cody, thank you, dude. Well, let's, do th you. let's do this again. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. At this time, I would like to introduce in the corner to my left, the majesty, sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce... Shout out to that guy, Red. Red Hart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. M -m 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 Mitch.